update on COVID-19. What's really going down with Dr. Suman Chakrabarty? Let's go. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quedro Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I apologize. I lost my voice, and no, I did not have coronavirus. Okay, I... Normally wouldn't be putting out episodes this quick, but there's a lot of concern and hype about COVID-19. So I really wanted to have Dr. Sumo Chakrabarty back on the show to talk about where things are going. Is the hype real? Should we be concerned? What we should be doing about it currently? You know, should you be traveling? Has has things for healthcare professionals changed at all? So I hope this mini cast is helpful. Okay. I'm going to quickly tell you about our sponsors, BetterHelp.com, an online counseling service that provides affordable, accessible, and convenient quality of care. Check out BetterHelp.com and use promo code SolvingHealthcare. And Audible.com, great way to listen to books. Sign up today using the promo code attached to the show notes. You get a free month of audiobooks. So please sign up today. And without further ado, Dr. Sumon Chakrabarty. All right, my people, we got Sumon back on the show to update us on COVID-19. It's been about, I'd say about six weeks since we last talked, eh, buddy? I think about that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what have we learned in the six weeks since we last spoke? Yeah, lots happened in the past six weeks. And I think that the, the main issue is, look, when we talked last time, China was the one that was having all the problems with cases. And, you know, some good news. It looks like China started to to curb their outbreak. There's less and less cases coming through. And, you know, part of that is those really, really extraordinary measures that they took to try to curb the spread. But since that time, we've had outbreaks in multiple other countries. Initially, we saw stuff happening in Iran, in Italy. And then after that, it's kind of exploded around the world. We're seeing transmission uh, to many different countries. I think it's over 50 countries now. So clearly, the outbreak has evolved. We're seeing a lot more cases, and now we have almost 70 cases in Canada, which mm-hmm. has been, it, it's been something that has tested our system, and so far, the planning that we've done is working, and, you know, we just need to prepare for what's uh, up ahead. Awesome, awesome, because there's still that level of panic, and I think it, it stems from the fact that it's expanded, right? Like, we've had more cases in Canada. You're seeing a ton of cases in the U.S. There's a situation in Italy. I'm wondering if you could speak to maybe some of the lessons or What's going on in that Italy situation? Yeah, I, th- I think what's happening in Italy can give us some great lessons uh, for what we can do uh, for our response and re- response around the world. So let's ask one quick question. Why Italy? Why Iran? Why are these mm. places affected? And it's interesting if you look at some data that my boy, uh, Dr. Isaac Bogach and his crew from Blue Dot came out with, you see that outside of Asia, the top two countries where flights go out of China are Tehran, Iran, and Rome, Italy. And it makes sense why you're seeing all these cases there. 
Now, obviously, those places are seeing an explosion. And what happened, and I think the big thing is that by the time they had discovered something was happening there, because they started doing the testing, they were already at the point where the outbreak was taking off. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, you know, to, to nobody's fault, but they, they basically missed the initial boat. And now they're dealing with these massive number of cases. And it's, it's, it's a huge thing. I'm not sure if you read uh, the Twitter post from one of the, the docs on the yeah, ground. Yeah, you showed me that today. It was crazy. It's crazy. And, you know, it was a sobering account of what's going on there. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, the beds are being overrun. You have people being admitted 15 to 20 a day with bilateral pneumonia. Now, one thing I do want to put into perspective that, yes, that is very concerning. But the situation on the ground in Italy and in Iran is very different than, for example, what we have in Canada. We've been preparing for this since early January. We're doing testing, not just of the patients that are coming to us. We're actually going out to the community to actually search out cases Mm -hmm. and looking back, for example, at isolates and samples that have been taken from hospitals. And you're very familiar with this, with the uh, BAL results. And they're kind of retrospectively seeing the ones that were initially called negative. Could they have been COVID? And so far, nothing's shown up. uh, But in light of that, there has been some community transmission in BC. Mm-hmm. I think the positives are that, look, they were able to kind of pick up on this quickly. And, and, and that's, I think, what the response in Canada is, has been so far. Mm-hmm. I can't say what's going to happen in the coming weeks. You know, we might start to see many more cases to the point where the healthcare system is stressed. But mm-hmm. one thing that I have confidence in is that the, the uh, system right now has been able to pick up these things early. And right. I think the goal right now is to try to flatten out the number of cases. So, you know, we might still see the same number of cases, but it'll be over a longer period of time. And that gives mm. our uh, healthcare system a chance to, to accommodate for it. Excellent. Excellent. So once again, I think the difference is preparedness. Like we are steps ahead of the Italian situation where they were flooded with patients that were positive. And so once again, in Canada, we seem to be more on top of things at this time. Maybe we could also comment, my friend, on the typical patients that are getting sick. Is it still, you know, what we were describing before of patients that had more comorbidities, maybe maybe older, or are we seeing younger patients, kids, for example? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very big thing. So when you look at the initial part of the outbreak that was starting in China, at that time, you only had what I call the tip of the iceberg. You had all the people that were getting the sickest. They were in hospital and they were being tested. And this tended to be the people that we see in our own hospitals that get sick from respiratory viruses, people that are older, respiratory comorbidities like COPD, heart disease, and the like. Interestingly, uh, while we often see respiratory viruses being severe in children, we haven't seen that so far in COVID-19. But as the rest of the iceberg starts to come into view, we have been seeing that there's lots of people, lots of people who get a very, very mild course, sometimes Mm -hmm. with minimal symptoms. And that accounts for, at the current time, the estimates are about 80% of people. That's important because, you know, I think there's a a tendency uh, to think that, look, everybody that's going to get this is going to get sick and die. That's not the case at all. Up to 80% of people don't do that. And maybe even more, but, but keeping this in mind, even with this information, it's important that we not be complacent. We still have our preparation. We go out looking for cases and we expect that we're going to see more cases and adjust to it as they come in. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's excellent points, Suman. I want to reinforce to where people should 
refer to if they suspect they have symptoms or they're worried that they might be positive? Because the worry is patients inundating the emergency department and essentially exposing some more patients that would that might be more vulnerable. So what would be the suggested path for those that suspect infection? That's right. This is an issue that's coming up uh, all over Canada. One thing just to add to this is that a month ago, even six weeks ago, we were talking about people that had a travel history. So if they went traveling somewhere to China, then you would test them. Things have changed now. So if anybody has any travel history whatsoever, and sometimes even uh, certain hospitals are testing anybody that has respiratory symptoms, mm-hmm. we're looking uh, for COVID-19. So that's the first thing. The second thing right now, what we recommend for people to do is that if they're feeling ill and they're unsure, to call the public health unit, they can have a chat with them. And at the current time, in most places, they're being sent to the emergency department. That's not going to be the case for long. Across Canada, lots of units are putting together clinics that are outside of the emergency department where people can go and get swabbed. And that way, they're not going to the emergency department. They're not exposing other people. And the big thing is they're not overwhelming the department with multiple people who, you know, for the most part, are not that sick and can go home, but still need to have some type of testing done. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Um, what about the, I, I've had a lot of colleagues that are, you know, it's kind of like the go down south season, you know, go to Mexico, Florida, Dominican. And a lot of people are discussing whether they should be canceling their trips because of COVID-19. What's your thoughts on this? This is a really tough question. So let's look at this officially. If you look at the Government of Canada advisories right now, there are certain advisories of countries to avoid non-essential travel to with regards to COVID. So right now on that list, you'll find places like mainland China, Italy, Iran, etc. But for other places, there's not that uh, official advisory yet. The only exception Mm. to that is just yesterday, Theresa Tam, uh, Dr. Tam and her group have come out talking about avoiding cruise ships altogether. Right. But this said, you know, we do also have to kind of look at your own risk tolerance. We do know in many parts of the states that we're seeing a significant expansion of the outbreak. And you have to consider to yourself, you know, do you want to go down there and put yourself at risk, even if there's not an advisory? Another thing that I talk to people about, especially with international travel, maybe outside the States, is logistical things. Could it be possible that one of your flights gets canceled and you get suspended? Could you be caught in an international quarantine for a number of days? Or the other thing is with your own work, is your work saying, look, it doesn't matter where you travel. When you come back, we want you to quarantine yourself for 14 days. That can have a huge impact on people's lives. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of questions and there's no definitive answers. And I think that everybody has to, number one, go to the Government of Canada website and see where the travel advisories are. And then number two is think to yourself the other aspects of the outbreak. What can you do and what's your risk tolerance? Yeah, because it's not just a matter of do you contract COVID-19. It's a matter of what is your life going to look like if you have to be quarantined or unable to go back to work, right? So these are great points, Suman. For a lot of the healthcare providers, in terms of protecting themselves, has anything changed from that regard? When the the outbreak first started, we were doing, you know, your enhanced droplet precautions. So that's things like N95 masks, a face shield, gown, everything like that. Since the outbreak has gone on, we got some more information. It looks like things like N95 masks may not be necessary, which is huge because in the hospital setting, 
you know, when you're doing the enhanced droplet precaution, you have to put the person in a special room and that can easily and quickly overwhelm any hospital. The CDC did talk about doing just contact droplet isolation. So in this circumstance, the patient does not require a special room. And basically the healthcare workers just need to wear a surgical mask, eye protection, and a gown to help cover their clothes. And now this is what the CDC is saying. The MOH has not yet gotten on board with this to, to recommend this across the board, but hopefully uh, in the coming uh, days to weeks, this is something that will be on the horizon because, you know, if we start to get 10, 20 patients a, visit, a day, you can see that we don't have enough negative pressure rooms. Yeah, we won't have the capacity for that. Excellent. Anything else you want to add, Sumon? Well, I should add, about the droplet thing, the one exception to that is what we call the aerosol generation procedures. So if you're intubating someone, if you're doing a bronchoscopy on someone, these are still procedures where an aerosol can be generated and mm. N95 masks and a negative pressure room would still be uh, recommended. But in all other circumstances, you know, just a regular patient assessment, we are not doing a procedure like this. Coming down in the future, hopefully we'll uh, downgrade this to the uh, contact and droplet without the negative pressure room and without the N95 mask. Perfect. Awesome, Suman. Thanks again for doing this because, it, you know, since we last talked, a lot has changed and there's been a lot more hype and people are continuing to lose their minds. And I think my overall message is still, let's keep our heads. We are, we are aware of the situation. I think our healthcare system so far has been doing a great job of managing this. And uh, there's no reason not to have faith. I agree. So awesome. take care of yourself until the next time. Let me know, man. Things will change. And hopefully I'd love to talk to you again. Absolutely. Take care, my friend. All right, man. Take care. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the mini cast on coronavirus, COVID-19. I hope this helps settle some of the angst. I know this is a heavily evolving issue. And I think we're going to address it as long as it's on people's minds because Part of solving healthcare is keeping things real. And, you know, if this overloads the system, there's going to be a lot of people that will suffer. So I think this is important to address. So thanks for listening. Any comments, leave at quadcast99 at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube at quadcast. And, you know, if you like the show, leave a five-star rating on iTunes. We really appreciate that. And we'll talk again next week.